Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello, and welcome to yet another phenomenal episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. My name is Jake Fenner. I am joined by Tom Adams, as always. Tom, how are you doing on uh, on this fine, uh, snowy Monday evening for us on the East Coast? I am doing just dandy. Hansi Flick is at the wheel, and my God, it feels very good to be on this pod uh, on the back of two wins for Bayern Munich and two clean sheets. This is just a feeling... That I've not been used to this season, but it feels good to have this feeling back. Unfortunately, it is time for another international break, but that's football. You have international breaks. You have to live with it. All we want now is more Bayern Munich, but we're going to have to wait. But again, feels good to be in that good mood, that winning feeling with Hansi at the wheel. Hansi's at the wheel was probably going to go a lot better than Oli at the wheel, hopefully. Please, dear God. Uh, So we will be talking about the upcoming international fixtures, the final two European qualifiers for the German national team, more specifically the scenarios that could play out as the European qualifiers come to a close. But first, we have to talk about the most dominant performance that Bayern Munich has put on this entire season. Uh, In a 4-0 win at home, against Borussia Dortmund. I'd have you recall that my best-case scenario prediction for this was 2-1 Bayern if Jadon Sancho did not start. Uh, Jadon Sancho did start this game, and Marco Royce was substituted on. But even still, uh, Robert Lewandowski scored, opening the scoring and continuing his 11-game goal-scoring streak. Uh... A beautiful, beautiful ball, wonderfully struck out, uh, headed homeward. Just it was, it was, it was all around. Just this absolutely beautiful, beautiful goal. Uh, I'm so proud of him. Uh, props to Benjamin Pavard for sending that one in, as well. Uh, then in the 47th minute, with Bayern up one nil at the half, Serge Gnabry was able to pick up on a ball that Lewandowski was not able. To finish, then in the 76th minute, a 1-2 pass combination from uh, from Thomas Müller, the Ramdeuter himself, set up Lewandowski for his third goal. And then in the ultimate case of karma, Mats Hummels scored an own goal. He's still scoring for us, everybody. Mats Hummels can still score for Bayern Munich as much as he possibly wants. So 4-0, the final score. Looking over at the statistics, saving the best for last. Bayern won possession 60-40. The fouls were relatively even. The yellow cards were also relatively even. But the best statistic, Bayern Munich had 18 shots, five of them on goal. And Dortmund had two shots all game and none on goal. It was it was just an utter domination by almost everybody on this team. I couldn't really pick out 
a weak spot or a weak link on the team considering Boateng is out, Luca Hernandez is injured, Nicolas Sula is injured, you had to start Pavar at right right back because whatever parasite is currently infecting Joshua Kimmich's brain is telling him that he wants to play center defensive midfield instead of acting like the best right back in the world that he is. But that's neither here nor there. Bayern won. We go into an international break with a bit of a pause in momentum, but it's still time for the club to adjust under Hansi Flick, who now has two wins to his name in his first two games as a Bayern manager. So, Tom, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, And we'll get into Flick and some other uh, interesting performances after that. Well, Jake, just to start off, before the thought slips my mind, I think the perfect word... Uh, for Mats Hummels' own goal on his homecoming return uh, to the Allianz Arena would be schadenfreude uh, in German, you know, just laughing at the expense of someone else's mistakes. I mean, just an overall dominant display from Bayern Munich. You know, as you mentioned, it's really, really difficult to pick out any player in the Bayern lineup from this one uh, who didn't play uh, very well uh, and very strongly and to their strengths. And by stark contrast, it's very difficult to pick out anyone on the Dortmund side that, you know, played and did anything worth uh, writing home about you know I do think uh, perhaps Lucien Favre after he had gone 1-0 down and 2-0 down maybe waited a bit too long to bring on his weapons and Marco Royce uh, and Paco Alcacer but you know just just to kind of look at this and take a few steps back you know if you were to tell me uh, a couple weeks ago before uh, Niko Kovac had you know technically uh, resigned or or been sacked whatever you want to call it uh, hey Tom you know we're gonna go with uh, two guys at center back who aren't natural center backs by trade and Javi Martinez and David Alaba. And we're going to stick a young guy with not a lot of experience um, at left back uh, in Der Klassiker when we are absolutely up against it and we absolutely need a result to turn our season around. I probably would have looked at you a little bit crazy and said, you know, what is wrong with you? Maybe maybe added some expletives in there. But, you know, with with Hansi Flick, as you mentioned in his first two games in charge, you know, this is, this is the lineup that, that got it done. And I just think the game plan going into this one, so much of it in the buildup, especially with Davies starting at left back, you know, so much of the the thought process from Hansi Flick and his coaching staff was to really negate uh, the pace of Jaden Sancho and uh, Ashraf Hakimi. I think we all saw uh, how deadly and explosive they were in their amazing comeback win against Inter Milan uh, last week in the Champions League. Um, and Davies, you know, you just can't say enough about his performance. I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch, um, even though pretty much everyone on Bayern had a fantastic game. He was one who really stuck out to me. You know, he had basically Sancho in his pocket, Hakimi in his pocket the whole game. And uh, Sancho, unfortunately, had to come off uh, a little bit early and be replaced. Uh, I think it was by Rafael Guerrero, but take nothing away from Davies' performance. You know, he was uh, well and truly, by and largely, one of the best players on the pitch and just someone I've been very, very impressed with in these last two games against both uh, Olympiacos and Borussia Dortmund. And just looking at the game plan as a whole, you know, a DW had a really nice breakdown in a video they did on Twitter. Uh, some of the things that really helped Bayern be so dominant in this game, uh, especially with uh, the way they had the lineup set up. It's interesting, looking at the official match sheet on, on Google, they have Bayern's formation listed as a 4-1-4-1 um, with Kimmich as the 6 and then Goretzka and Muller just ahead of them with Gnabry and Coman on either side. Uh, but I really think it was more of a dual pivot uh, with Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich that worked so well. I thought they struck a really good balance 
without nonverbal communication, you know, who should be going forward when, who should be staying back. Because uh, I think a lot of this in this match was Bayern winning every single second ball and Goretzka and Kimmich were two guys I saw as real stalwarts in the midfield who were kind of leading that charge and first to every second ball closing down those spaces especially when uh, Borussia Dortmund were in in possession and trying to play out of the back as they so often like to do you know that aggressive midfield pressing really caused a lot of bad situations for Dortmund and caused Bayern to win the ball you know high up the pitch you know a, a, a lot of uh, comparisons can be drawn to the way Jurgen Klopp has his Liverpool side play. You know, that when those attacking players press so high up and cause bad situations, they're just so deadly on the counterattack after Gagan pressing. And that's a lot of what we saw in the opening stages of this game. And actually the sequence of play that led to Lewandowski's first goal uh, came as a result of, uh, I think it was Witzel. He got caught in the corner trying to play the ball out. Uh, you know, tidily from the back, and we, we won it a couple passes later. Yes, there was a deflection that fell to Pavard, but as you mentioned, he whipped that cross in nicely, and, you know, who else but Lewandowski was there to head it home. You know, and just to piggyback off of that, you know, so much of Bayern's success in the press came with, you know, their ability to, to pack those tight spaces in the center of the pitch, forcing Dortmund to go wide uh, when they didn't really have any other option. And then what would happen is they'd, they'd get forced to go wide and then they wouldn't have anything going forward because those spaces would be so tight, you know, because Gnabry, Goretzka, Muller, Coman, Kimmich, they'd all be moving in, in such synchronicity with one another and creating those triangles uh, around whoever had the ball, you know, making it hard to distribute and, you know, get anything going. And, you know, you've got to kind of look at Bayern Munich's squad and as a puzzle piece and, you know, how much of it was, you know, Kovac and, and Flick had the same pieces in the puzzle um, and was Flick maybe putting them in the right spot that Kovac couldn't see or was it some of that combined with the fact that, you know, as Uli Honus had mentioned last week that there were, I know the German translation is a little bit loose, but saying that there were currents uh, in the team basically mentioning that there were clicks of players in the squad that were kind of inevitably waiting uh, for Kovac's dismissal and were waiting for him to leave, you know, so how much of it was players responding to Kovac finally being gone so they can come out of their shell a bit? How much was it, you know, uh, Flick and Kovac have the same pieces and the players in the squad and, you know, Flick was the one who wanted to utilize them in the way he did against Olympiakos and Dortmund, you know, that maybe Kovac would have never tried. But, you know, it, it is unfortunate in that sense that an international break comes after such, uh, you know, two positive results, especially Derek Klassiker and the magnitude with everything uh, that was, you know, built into this match with how much we needed to win, how much title implications it has. You know, it couldn't have gone better for us, as you said. But unfortunately, we do have to wait uh, a little while longer for uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. It is interesting because uh, recently after Kovac was dismissed, Alihonis had said, or I believe it was Rumenega actually, I apologize, had said that we could have a new manager as early as the Fortuna Dusseldorf match, which is our next competitive match in the Bundesliga um, after the international break. Don't know how much of that will be true now if they're just going to stick with Hansi Flick, but uh, it will be interesting to see because at the minute with Flick at the wheel, it is working. I just want to touch a little bit more on the performance really by Alfonso Davies. Now, I really just want to emphasize how how proud I really am of Davies just because he came in and like ignoring ignoring his backstory in in getting to Canada because that in and of itself is a massive feat. He's come to Bayern Munich. He knows that there's a lot of competition going on for his natural position in left wing. 
He knows that Bayern might end up going after somebody like Leroy Sané at the January or even in the summer transfer window, and that his playing time there might not be enough. But he's looked at that situation, and he's realized that he can slot in in a specific role. And it's going to take him time to fully learn and fully develop at left back, but he's willing to try. He's willing to put in as much effort as humanly possible to go ahead and do that. And for that, I applaud him. And for that, I'm really proud of how he's adapted to Bayern, become a part of the locker room, and has become one of those players that both Nico Kovac and now Hansi Flick have been able to rely on. Now, looking more at the Bundesliga table, uh, going into this international break, Leipzig is ahead of Bayern Munich in second place. Leipzig have seventeen have a plus 17 goal difference. Bayern have a plus 13 goal difference. Mönchengladbach is four points clear at the top of the league. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, meanwhile, dropped to... Sixth in the table below Freiburg and Hoffenheim. Uh, they play Paderborn in their next game coming back. Uh, Paderborn are dead last in the table. We play Fortuna Dusseldorf, who are six from dead last. So, uh, Tom, how do you think Dortmund is going to fare for the rest of their season? Uh, do you think they'll be able to find a way to pick themselves up and move forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, they play Paderborn next. I mean, what what more perfect of a of an opponent to kind of bounce back from after uh, such a humiliating, well, not humiliating, but, you know, such such a routing from Bayern Munich and Dirk Lasker. I mean, surely they'll be a bit shell-shocked by how well Bayern played, especially considering the circumstances that surrounded the managerial situation in the week uh, building up to this one. But I don't think that uh, Dortmund will have any problem dusting themselves off. I definitely think uh, that not having both Royce and um, Sancho in the starting lineup together definitely affected things. As I mentioned earlier, I think Favre uh, maybe waited a bit too long to bring on both uh, Paco Alcacer and Marco Royce, I think, I think had the front the front three been Royce, Sancho, and Alcacer from the get go, I think the result might have been a, a little bit different. But just because if Bayern had been playing that high press that they were and closing down those spaces, you know, those are three guys you definitely don't want to have uh, on the other end uh, of a counter attack going against you. And they they probably really could have gone at David Alaba, Javi Martinez, uh, Benjamin Pavard, and, and Davies. But you know, again. Uh, they have Paderborn, they can easily get a result there, and then looking ahead at their fixture, they have Barcelona in the Champions League, uh, and then a, a relatively tricky schedule in the, the Bundesliga, they're away at Erta Berlin, and then they home at uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, who as we can all remember last year was kind of one of their bogey teams uh, that, that caught them out a couple of times, um, then Slavia Prague in the Champions League, uh, Mainz away, and then they do have a tricky period to kind of close out uh, the Hinrunde Leipzig and Hoffenheim round out the Hinrunde, so a very difficult end to the uh, the first part of the season for them. Thinking back to what we all predicted at the beginning of this season, that it was going to be a really close race between Bayern, Leipzig, and Dortmund, but it's not the case now. Uh, it's a bit shocking, to me at least, but uh, hey, this is uh, football as it's meant to be, am I right? 
so we are going to take a very quick break and when we come back we will be talking about the potential scenarios for how germany's qualifying group in the euros could finish Welcome back, and now we are going to take a look at the final matches in the UEFA European Championship qualification round. Uh, the Germans have two more games to play. Almost everybody except for Belarus and Estonia have uh, two games to play, uh, the latter having one left, having played more games than the others, and Germany is currently second place behind the Dutch. They have this weird tiebreaker system where if you're tied on points, the first thing afterwards is head-to-head -head goal difference. So the Dutch have a plus 12 goal difference and Germany have a plus 14, but because the Netherlands have a plus one on the Germans, they are atop the table. Uh, Northern Ireland are currently third on 12 points, so they also have a real possibility of going and qualifying. The only unfortunate thing for them are the teams that they are playing. Uh, they first play the Dutch, and then they play the Germans. So, uh, tough run, guys, but uh, it might be interesting. They might be able to go ahead and really shock some people. Uh, so, to start out, Germany first play a Belarus team that don't really have much to play for, and then they play Germany on uh, Tuesday, the Belarus game being played at Borussia Park in Mönchengladbach, and then the Northern Ireland game being played in Frankfurt. Northern Ireland, meanwhile, play the Dutch in Belfast, and then the Dutch host Estonia. So they have a home and away against two very tough opponents, Northern Ireland. Um, Germany plays Northern Ireland last, and that's kind of important considering how the table unfolds. If Northern Ireland is able to beat uh, the Dutch in any way, shape, or form, that means Germany go top of the table with Northern Ireland following up right behind them as long as they beat them by a score of two to nothing they will be able to do that uh, because they would be ahead on goal difference after losing three to one in uh, in the Netherlands meanwhile uh, they lost by a a 2-0 scoreline to Germany in a very close and contested game in Belfast. So basically the scenarios could result in uh, Germany being completely knocked out. They could result uh, before at least Nations League qualifying, which is a completely different animal that we're not going to get into right now. Um, it could see the Dutch having to go to the Nations League qualifying, or it could see Northern Ireland going to the Nations League in order to qualify. Uh, but then there's also the issue of wanting to get first place. And as of right now, Germany really needs to hope that the Dutch can drop points and they don't suffer any setbacks of their own. Uh, situation on the squad is not 
the worst in the world. If anything, there's just a little bit of a question as to who starts in goal, of course, and then who starts on the back line, because you could have many possible combinations in terms of that. So, Tom, one, looking at the fixtures, who? Uh, how do you think Northern Ireland is going to fare? Because they're, they have the potential to be the real team to upset others here. And then how do you think that back line is going to form, including who you think is going to play in goal? Well, especially given the fact that at least one of the games is home uh, for Northern Ireland, you know, they really absolutely, as you mentioned, have to be going all out for it. You know, they're playing for their lives here and, you know, you don't want to sell them short at all. And, you know, I'm sure uh, Ronald Coleman and the Dutch coaching staff are drilling it into their players' heads that they, they can't take that match lightly at all. I mean, as much as Northern Ireland are fighting for their lives, you know, the Dutch uh, and Die Mannschaft are, are duking it out for first place in the group, which is, you know, something that both sides definitely want. Uh, so I think that uh, one of the better games in this whole international break uh, to watch uh, as a neutral would actually be Northern Ireland uh, and the Netherlands. I, I really think that uh, it's going to be a tightly contested, uh, you know, very frenetic at times uh, affair. And as far as the, the squad selection for Yogi Love, you know, especially during the last international break, it just really seemed as if uh, the Dimanshoff players were just kind of dropping like, like flies with all of the injuries that they were given. And, and not to mention, since the last international break, uh, we've lost Nick Sula to a long-term injury. Um, and then obviously Amrai Chan, who started at center back alongside Sula against Estonia uh, in our last match, received a straight red card, so he'll be unavailable for selection. Uh, at least for the uh, the Belarus match. So uh, Yogi Love is, is faced with some difficult decisions, especially at the back, which is where I think uh, we need to be the most sound and the most firm if we want to get two results. You know, the defenders he has to choose from are Chan, uh, Matthias Ginter, Jonas Hector, Lucas Klosterman, Robin Koch, uh, Nico Schultz, Nicolas Stark, and Jonathan Ta. So I think uh, what we are going to see is, is perhaps even maybe a back three, um, and, then, and then Kimmich, and perhaps Gundogan as the holding midfielders or Tony Cruz, whoever he decides to go with. But, you know, obviously it's going to be far from what his first choice uh, backline would be come time for Euro 2020. You know, seeing as he had, seeing as if he had all of his defenders uh, available, it still looks unlikely that Nicolas Sula will be available on time uh, for this summer when the tournament does come. So he really has to make some difficult decisions. My guess would be that he would probably based off what he has been using when he has everyone healthy. Uh, Klosterman on the right, perhaps Jonathan Ta and Matthias Ginter uh, in the middle, and maybe Jonas Hector on the left. I don't know if he would feel comfortable enough playing uh, Niklas Stark in the center back. You know, he really hasn't gotten many minutes with the Mannschaft, if any at all. Um, my only question in, in, in that back four that I just mentioned is maybe he'll decide to go with Nico Schultz uh, as opposed to Jonas Hector. Uh, Nico Schultz has had a, a pretty decent season with uh, Borussia Dortmund, and I think he's fared pretty well every time he's played with the Mannschaft. Uh, but yeah, he's just got uh, some difficult decisions to make, especially at the back with all the injuries that they have. But rest assured, you know, we, I have faith that he can get those decisions right because I think during the last international break, he really proved that uh, he can get the most out of the players based on uh, what's available. So because it's an international break uh, week, we won't be releasing any episodes of Der Ausblick or Bavarian Podcast Works in the coming week, but we will hopefully hold you guys over by releasing an episode of an interview we did with Phil Bonney, the Bundesliga commenter, 
And then after that, we won't be releasing an episode of Der Ausblick before Dusseldorf. We will, however, release a Bavarian podcast work episode in the last week of November. So until then, thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. You can be sure to follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. You can follow Tom on Twitter at TommyAdams71. And until next time, we will see you later. Enjoy the international break. And uh, yeah, Alfie Zane.